The Healing the City podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you enjoy the Healing the City podcast and wish to support it financially, you can go to villagersonline.com, click the We Give tab, and follow the instructions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome to Healing the City podcast. My name is Eric Sipin, and I'm going to turn this over to uh, Michael, because I am the one who preached this Sunday. Oh, do I need to ask you questions yeah, about so your you, yeah, sermon? Yeah, because this is uh, our weekly meditation on Advent. Got it. Okay, well, so two things happened. You preached a sermon that was a lot about lament. Yes, it was. And we lit a candle representing joy in the Advent season. This is true. And you had the chore of pulling those two together. So first we can maybe talk about lament and then we can talk about joy and then we maybe try to connect them together. All right. Okay. I'll try to do that with you. (laughs) (laughs) But let's uh, preface all of this with saying I wasn't supposed to be speaking. Um, Mark called me, Pastor Mark called me on Saturday and said, there's no way I'm going to be able to preach. And so I was initially, I guess he preached on, he was going to preach on Psalm 146. Right. And so I was supposed to preach on 146, but we decided that we'd just swap the Advent days. And so I preached on Psalm 80, and he's going to preach on Psalm 146 next week. Yeah. God willing. Right. And you're flying out of town, so if he I will ends up having there. to call me on Saturday right. again. <laughs> I will be physically you away. Can, you can't sub. It'll be me again. But I don't think I'm going to have to sub. Okay. I hope. Anyway, Psalm 80. As uh, Sue said about making friends with Psalms, Psalm yeah. 80 is definitely not one that I have spent a lot of time reading. Um, and so I had to make real fast friends. I felt like it was speed dating uh, with Psalm 80. Speed, so, <laughs> speed that's good. <laughs> so maybe we should read Psalm 80. Yeah, we, it's it's uh, kind of longish, but I mean, it, are there certain pieces of it that you definitely wanted well, to hear on this podcast? Sure, we could read, uh, I think, one through four. Okay, let me get pull it up here, one through four. And da, da, da. Yeah, it's not one that I was super familiar with either. But yeah, the beginning of it is is pretty cool. And the refrain the chorus is really awesome. Yeah. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim. Shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Yes. So yeah, it's a, it's the Psalm of Lament. It's by... What was his name? Apath? Apath? Uh, Asaph. Asaph, thank you. Yeah. He, he's done, I think, he, Psalm 60, I think is what I can't. He, there's a five or six that are done. Asaph Psalms. He's Asaph Psalms. Yes, in fact, I found out in doing some research that pastors tend to do sermon series on the Psalms of Asaph. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. idea. Okay, log that away for yeah, a future. Yeah, log that away. So I thought, huh, I've never seen this. I've never been to a service or any kind of study where mm-hmm. people were like, yeah, we're, we're in the sermon series from the Songs of Asaph. No, I don't usually hear that one. Song of David, uh, the Sons of Korah yes. I, I stick out to me, but yeah. the Asaph ones have not caught my attention. No, they have so, not. So, 
Well, here's one. And I, I think those first four verses and then, um, or the first three verses actually is what I read. And then, uh, right. the last verse of that is a repeated. Yeah. Piece. So restore us, um, shine your face on us or was well, uh, restore us. Oh God, Oh God almighty. And then I think it's the Lord, Lord God. God almighty. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so he plays with exactly how the, how God is addressed in yes. each of the refrain refrains. Right. And then this, I, I liked, you know, I don't know why save us doesn't really resonate with me as much as deliver us does. Cool. Um, I don't know. I don't ever think about, and that guy came by and saved me. I mean, mm. I think that Jesus saved me and I, but I don't know. It's uh, I think of lifeguarding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I just think of words like rescue or okay. deliver. Those words resonate more with me. Um, but you went even more different than that. Even though you used the word deliver, you yeah. had this visual, um, it's like kind of a visual, uh, visual, it's physical and visual, right? You stood up there and you, and you moved your body around to show us yeah. what was going on. There. Well, so I, I feel like most likely the background of this particular Psalm is right after, uh, Assyria has taken the Northern kingdom. Okay. And so there's this thought that most likely the author of this, who's in a school of worship, People, writers yeah. writers is not necessarily the actual asaph um, but anyway he's looking from the southern kingdom and he's understanding kind of the, the stance of the southern kingdom and he's seeing the northern kingdom being taken by assyria and realizing that the southern kingdom is not any closer to god than the northern kingdom and, and so he has this picture of of this them as a people standing with their backs to God. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this idea of restore us could, you know, if you look the word up, the first definition actually I think is turn something around or turn us. And so there's this idea that, that he's saying the only way that we're going to be in relationship with you is for you to physically turn us around. And then, you know, in the old Testament in particular, there's a lot of conversation, and I used to preach a lot about this. I haven't had a lot, talked about it a lot, but there's a conversation about facing. You know, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, in a sense, they're, well, they turned their back on God, and so they were no longer facing God. And you see this over and over again um, in Israel's story, is that they have turned their face away from God. Um, and there are times when in Scripture where God turns his face away from Israel. Uh, and so... The idea of the psalmist, I think, is saying, look, we have our faces turned from you. And so turn us around and then take hold of that ironic blessing in number six, which um, talks about um, God's face shining on us. And most likely the writers heard this over and over again. I'm sure the ironic blessing is spoken at, at services that he's at, at, at the tabernacle, or actually at the temple, if it is in the southern kingdom. And so um, he's he's saying, well, if your face shines on us, then we'll be saved. Like you, there's intimacy there. And the force of your intimacy, in a sense, will save us. Like the very fact that you show favor and you bring your presence and your blessing towards us, we're going to, we'll be saved. We'll be right. delivered. So we kind of went out this sideways because we we're talking about the intercession. Yes, as yes. In, as in the... Asking God to do for others. Yes. Uh, asking God to do things for us and others. Yes. Right? In particular, he's asking, 
in the writing of this song, asking God to save Judah, yeah, right, save Israel, and asking not just for himself, but um, for the whole the whole of his yes, it's a, of his people. It's a communal. In fact, I think I, I said in the evening, I had to service. I don't said in the morning, but it's called the Howling Psalm. Well, Spurgeon is the one who t- gave it that title. It's this communal lent that, lament that uh that it's supposed to have sort of this just agony built into it because it's corporate right well so we i said we were going to talk about lament but that that's great because it's a it's an intercession so yes. it's an asking of something for others right. from god right in the form of a lament yes yeah which is interesting yeah because i think it it connects if you're if you're not the person in trouble so to speak, it seems that the writer here is including himself in the problem. Um, and he needs to be turned as much as the community does. But it's interesting that it, it intercession and what I kind of picked up from this is that there is sort of a, it's a whole body. Like I'm experiencing what you're experiencing, or I'm at least stepping into your agony and grief and asking God to do something about yeah, it. You're voicing it to God. Yeah. In a, in a, a visceral way. Right. Um, and I think you meant, made use of this idea of complaint or complaining. Yes. And and it seems like one of the ways that we're not just complaining, although right. we're complaining to God. Right. That's important is that, um, well, I, I think that was your definition of what right. made it a, a lament instead of a complaint. Yes. Is that, that a, a complaint? Yeah, I, I just was... But a lament can be, I guess it is a complaint that's directed to the one who can do something about it. Bingo. And I think yeah. that was my point in the yes. sermon. Um, I, I think the other thing that's interesting that I didn't spend a lot of time talking about here in the sermon is that apparently in the Psalms of lament, so where there are Psalms that are built around lament, they move from lament to confidence, mm-hmm. which this Psalm picks up where it, it, the first part of it is very dark. God, you're the one who made us, you're making us drink our tears with our bread of tears. You know, everyone's making fun of us. It's like really bad to the point where he's like, just raise up your man and, and everything will be okay. Like there's a confidence in God's action. Um, and it becomes less about what's happening to them and more about a confidence in the action of God. Cool. And I think that's pretty cool. Yes, because I think we're 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 starting to edge towards joy here, right? And yes. the other thing, just to grab hold of the uh, Bob Lefevre's, you know, thought when he was talking in response to the sermon was that joy shows up in this concept of God's face shining on us, mm. like that. There's a um, that that is the joyful thing that you're looking for. Yeah, in in your lament, you're asking God to bring His joy, which. I think there's some argument over who is the originator of the definition, the, the joy, pleasure of, of God's, God's company. company. Yeah. I think Mark loves that, but I don't know if he got it from Rod or not. He probably did. That's okay. But anyway, that is what having God's face shine on you is like. Like it's, you're in God's company and it's his like the pleasure of that is powerful. Um, I liked your definition of joy to the kids. <laughs> was it a deep down 
Profound. Profound. That was the word. Yeah, it was <laughs> maybe not a very kid-friendly word. But. No, but I love what, what who in the evening, was it the evening service or the morning service who said, I don't, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't hear <laughs> the, that. The, I was too the, focused. One on. of the kids was like, we don't know what that word means. That's fine. It was adorable. <laughs> I just love the way they interact with you. It's pretty funny and cool. Um, yeah. But so deep, uh, deep happiness. Deep, is what profound I happiness. Yeah. yeah. I think is um, a good definition. Anyway, so moving us towards joy, which is a confidence. I mean, it could be defined as a confidence. Yeah, I think I think who God is. If if joy is the intimacy of God, yeah, if that's what it is fundamentally, then that gives you confidence. Yeah, and things change, things happen. Um, you are transformed in the presence of God. Yes, and you have hope. Yeah. Um, and eventually we can talk about how we have peace, but that's for next time. That's next time. Yeah. I, I wonder as we kind of think this through, one of the things that um, when it comes to Advent that struck me in this particular Psalm and has been just as we've talked about, you know, packing your bag and on this journey towards the birth of Christ is, that the more you begin to engage in lament that's directed to God, the more you engage in sorting through the things that are not essential and moving towards a celebration of Jesus, uh, the more like all of the anxieties and worries sort of get pushed to the edge of things, but also the more you begin to see things happen. Like God seems to show up in a different way um, and I think that's true about my relationship with my wife. The more disciplined I am about pursuit of her and the more I am conscious of who she is. And I see developments happen in our relationship that are unexpected. Um, and I think that's true in a relationship with God. It's probably, it's true in intimacy altogether. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that is the other aspect of the Psalm that I don't think we've touched on in the podcast yet is that it's messianic yes, in a really powerful way, even though maybe the songwriter himself is not aware of that fact. Yeah. He's probably talking about Zerubbabel. That's maybe that's what he's got in the back of his head or maybe, I don't know, but he uses exactly the language that Jesus takes on board in yes. his earthly ministry. Yeah. The son of man, the son of man, which is interesting. I think the first time this, the word son is mentioned, it apparently can also mean branch because it's coming out of this metaphor that he's developed of a, of right. a vine, right? Right. Israel as a vine. Yeah. And the particular branch slash son right. that comes out of that, yep. v- that vine that's been planted. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it, it really has this deep symbolic nature, uh, to the, to the concepts and the words there that Jesus puts himself into um, very much intentionally on purpose and makes a big deal about it. Um, And we, and so we should make a big deal about it. I mean, this is Advent, right? This is the coming of Jesus, of the the son of man. Yeah. And ultimately that's where the joy is going to come from. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, I've done Advent a lot. In fact, I probably in my life as a Christian have focused at some level or another on Advent, 
more than Lent, you know, or any other part of the church calendar. Um, it seems like it's the easiest one hmm. to like cross over, you know, from Protestant to Catholic to Orthodox, like Advent seems to be something we're all because of the Advent calendars and the, you know, Playmobil Advent calendar. We already have these habits and rituals and traditions and stuff. Yeah. But I think this year for me, um, just the visuals of going on a journey towards Jesus, following the Magi. Um, I never thought about lament in the context of Advent. Hmm. Like I think that was a deep challenge to me. Um, because I remember working, I had four hours to work on it. So I went to, I don't know where I went. I went to a restaurant actually that I knew I could sit for a while and I did the first two hours of sketching things out and reading and looking things up. And then I came here and started trying to build a slideshow and construct something. And I was like, God, I don't, I don't know what to say about this. And then I just felt like he was like, well, look at all these places where the, the holidays for you have, have been a tragedy, like where there's grief right now. Um, what do you think you're being invited into? And and that's when it kind of clicked for me of like, Oh, like part of this birth of Jesus. And you know, also the fact that Jesus was born into tragedy and that all these babies are killed. So there is this darkness right around where the enemy is fighting and the, you know, the powers of the world are, are being destructive around this moment when God is born. Um, and so I think, for me, it's like, oh, like part of Advent and part of really focusing on Jesus is is actually acknowledging that there's a tension and this is not good. Like, even though we have the pretty Christmas tree and the presents and, you know, and that's where, where I'm at in my life, there's a lot of blessing. It's still, and even in that, there's just these pain, there's pain mm. and suffering and sin has seeped in in ways that are, you know, I will never be reversed until Jesus returns like in their fullness. Um, so, which is another part of Advent. Yes. Right. Which is Jesus has come. Jesus will come. Right. And we're looking forward to his return as much as we're anticipating or, um, kind of imaginatively anticipating his birth. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing that struck me that I really, you know, I preach about this a lot, but I still don't think people grasp it. And it's difficult even for me having this vocation to grasp it. But I'm a pastor, but we are all priests or pastors. We're shepherds as followers of Jesus. And we're a royal priesthood, Peter tells us. So as we're anticipating Jesus' birth and looking towards his um, return, we do that as priests in the kingdom in the moment now, right? Wherever we go. And one of the things I was telling Susan yesterday when we were sitting around the fire and just chatting, I was like, I said, you know, I, I really want to get to the grocery store and, and be thinking as I check out, I'm this, I, I have this opportunity to pastor this person. What do they need right now? Yeah. How do they need to be shepherded as they check out my stuff? You know, and Sue actually does a great job of this because one of the questions she asks every cash register person or anyone we run into talk to is like, what's the best thing that happened to you today? No, that's a great joy question. Right. And that is a good joy question. And so she, and people just nine times out of 10 want to tell her all about the cool thing that happened. There's only been once 
that a grumpy old guy was like, nothing good has happened. <laughs> Which gave, you know, an opportunity to chat with him about it, but he didn't really seem like he wanted to talk about stuff. But still, like, people are longing to, like, articulate that there is something good in this world. Right. Um, and so just even helping them see that in a short interaction is pretty cool. Right. So, I mean, two things that priests do. Priests go into the presence of God. Yes. And priests bring the presence of God to others. That's right. And if the presence of God is joy. Then bringing joy. Then you're bringing joy. Wow. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like that a lot. That's really good. Well, I don't know. That's my, my thought, my Advent meditation. How about you? What do you got? Anything to add to anything new? No, uh, fasting is difficult, but good. Yeah. So encouragement. If you're out there toughing it out with us, uh, we're doing it with you and we are finding it challenging as well, but, uh, really good. It is a way for me to be in the presence of God. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I have seen just in my fasting so I, you know, shut down um, social media on my phone on Fridays for my Friday fast. Me as well. And what's amazing is I found that I have, during the week, probably it, it kind of gets back to normal by Wednesday. I lose my phone more and more. Don't know where it is. Don't think about it. Not wanting to know what's going on in the world or see the latest video or watch a picture. Um and when I do get on it, I'm more focused. Like, I'm going to post a picture, and then I'm done. Like, kind of, I, it's become much more of a utility for me. Uh, I'm not going to go down the deep reels or TikTok or looking at what the latest post on Facebook is. Good, good. You so are. That's, it's been helpful that way. And just... You're demoting your God. Higher, I, I your certainly pantheon. demoted him. Yes. Demoted him down to... Um, so the real God can be Low the real God. Anyway. Yes. The most high God can be in his proper place. Yeah. Or trying to put him in his proper place. Yeah. Well, he's already there acknowledging that he's there. So. <laughs> yeah. But then you have to descend from their throne. Yes. King I Herod. Do. I do. I do have to descend. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Keep fasting. Keep working and working on it. It's a good discipline. Uh, have joy. Yeah. And have joy. Um, all you, all you need is to approach God. I like that. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to Advent Week 3, Psalm 80. Uh, Pastor Michael and Pastor Eric reflecting on Advent, joy, and lament. Mm-hmm.